0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Glorious day! Glorious day indeed! It is. Free Agency Friday! What a time, man. Where do you even begin on a day like today? I warned you guys that today's podcast would be coming out in the evening because the NBA has finally adjusted things such that now free agency happens in the middle of the day. We No longer, and maybe they'll go back to the old way, I don't know, but no longer are we sitting at our computers at midnight Eastern time waiting for all of the tampered agreements to break. 3 o'clock Pacific today, 6 Eastern, a reasonable number. We were staring at our computer screens intently, waiting for that first contract to come trickling through. Goran Dragic was the uh, the seal breaker on free agency today. Goran Dragic, the seal breaker. There should have been, there probably was a prop floating around out there of what the first contract was to get... Uh, tossed out onto the internet by Woj or Shams. By the way, if that's what you were betting on, you would have lost because Drogic broke the news himself. Goran broke his deal before then, I think, Woj or, I don't know, one of those two guys. You, you guys know the deal. One of them confirmed it. It's like we needed Woj or Shams to confirm something that Goran himself tweeted, which, by the way, sounds stupid, but actually is quite necessary because later in the afternoon, Dwight Howard tweeted he was purple and gold for life. Purple and gold forever or whatever it was. Then he had to pull that down because he's a 76er. What's happening? That's what we're here to talk about. This is Fantasy NBA Today. A hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com with the Fantasy Pass on sale right now for $4.99 a month at hoop-ball.com. The Fantasy Pass includes early access to the Ruski Run 50 the week after Thanksgiving. That would basically be the first couple of days of the month of December. It has the draft guide right now already in the Fantasy Pass with over 400 player previews that many of them are being adjusted by the great Mike Passador as we speak. It also has the DFS Pass in it, which fires up when preseason basketball begins and then becomes a year-round DFS uh, subscription. We'll have all sorts of different sports in that. And then finally, of course, in Season a uh, full year fantasy tools all in the fantasy pass for $4.99 a month. I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. That is the best deal we've got going at HoopBall right now. So please check it out and get yourself one if you want to win your fantasy leagues. It's where we take... This podcast will get you 80% of the way there. This podcast will get you 80% of the way there. We're going to break down all this stuff. We're going to tell you, where, you think, where we think guys are going. This show is all about simplifying fantasy sports simplifying your drafts so you don't make those ridiculous picks that sink your team simplifying the middle of the season so you're not making wild transitions and you're not spending hours poring over which top 120 guy you want to pick up on the waiver wire we simplify here on fantasy nba today the way you get up and over the hump i'll get you to second place every time i'll get you to third or second place every single time and a lot of firsts just from listening to this pod but if you want to if you want to club your league, the Brewski 150 is the way to do it. And that is, of course, in The Fantasy Pass coming in a couple of weeks now. Less than two weeks from today. In the Fantasy Pass, $4.99 a month. I am Dan Vasperz at Dan vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Thank you as always, everyone, for listening. Uh, especially those of you who have been with us for all four years now that this podcast has existed, the last three of which have actually been available on traditional podcast channels. And welcome to those of you that are new to listening to the show. This is that time of year where folks find the pod, which is easily the most exciting time of the year for me because then I get to talk to brand new people, which is great. It's like, oh, look, we're not existing in a vacuum here. So free agency is upon us. That's the story of the day without question. You know, on yesterday's show, we ended up breaking down so many trades and happenings and then the Clay Thompson news that I thought, all right, well, you know, Friday, We'll start the show by talking about the last few things that happened on Wednesday and Thursday, and then we'll float into free agency because, I don't know, naively, I thought "Eh, maybe we'll have time for all of that. But even if we did have time for that, there's no way to keep this all straight. So we're basically going to abandon ship on anything that happened before today, and today's podcast is going to be breaking down the things that happened Friday. Friday. I know many of you are going to be listening to this on Saturday or Sunday, so this is all about stuff happening on Friday. First thing, and we'll try to do this as best we can chronologically, but I make no promises. The first thing that really happened on Friday was that the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing seemingly dead. There was discussion that maybe because the NBA was uh, cracking down on tampering that they were just trying to cover it up for a little bit, but it looks like that's cooked. Looks like it's cooked. So teams now are, are all kind of feeling that out. So that was something that happened before the trade deadline broke. Rumors about what Brandon Ingram was going to get after the trade deadline broke. Gordon Hayward. Rumors about sign and trades. Things of that nature. And that was really just the appetizer to the main course, which, again, started with Goran Dragic. That was sort of interesting, I thought. Uh, Goran Dragic signed a two-year deal to stay with the Heat. The second year deal is a team, or second uh, year on the contract, I should say, is a team option, which is fine. Uh, It just means that not much changes. I think maybe there was a hope that if Dragic went elsewhere, that Tyler Hero would see... A large bump in what he'd be doing for that team and he probably will see some kind of bump most likely at the expense of Kendrick Nunn uh, but they're going to need guys to get them through the year that's going to be a cooked team we all know Goran Dragic has these massive holes in his fantasy game so no real large adjustment there oddly enough the second domino was Myers-Leonard who also re-signed with the Miami Heat at an extraordinary nine million dollars a year. You want to talk about your all-time overpays? This is among them. That dude did very little for Miami this last year, but they found apparently that they really like him, and you know you can re-sign players without worrying about too much of a cap hit. I, I know that there's there's fees and stuff, but you can go over the cap when you're bringing players back. Uh, I mean, I don't. To me, this feels like. Uh, a safety valve if Bam Adebayo suffers any kind of issue from the long bubble run. I I find no other reasonable explanation for why Myers Leonard would get that kind of money when, you know, like, like Miles Plumlee, who we'll talk about momentarily, got less over a longer stretch, but still. So I don't understand that one at all, and that dude remains well off the fantasy radar. Uh, Freddie Van Vliet rumor popped up that he wasn't going to be making his decision until after the weekend, basically, that he's going to be meeting with teams on Saturday. So we'll get a little bit more on that front. The third domino, third actual deal to be released on Friday after free agency started was Wes Matthews, agreeing to a one-year, $3.5 million deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. He fills Danny Green's role almost to a T. He is a little bit less rangy. You're not going to see him blocking shots like Danny Green does. But he hits the three ball. Uh, he is a tough defender. He is stronger than Danny Green. He's more stout in his defense. So sort of a different, slightly different defensive skill set. But a really good fit for the Lakers who needed to give up Green to get Dennis Schroeder. So as far as fantasy goes, non-factor. But as reality goes, that's a guy the Lakers really needed. That guy or Jay Crowder who we still don't have a destination for. But presumably those were kind of the two 3 and D guys The Lakers had their eyes on. Uh, Drew Eubanks agreed to a three-year deal with the Spurs, and I went, huh, and then kept going. Dwayne Bacon agreed to a two-year deal with the Magic, and I said, huh, and kept on going. And then the fourth, I think I'm going to lose track of numbers as we move our way through this thing, the fourth domino to fall after the free agency clock struck. Mason Plumlee, who agreed to a three-year... $25 million deal with the Detroit Pistons, who at this point were collecting centers. I made, I thought, one of my favorite uh, tweets of all time about this, and I don't know how many people actually cared. But regardless, um, they're doing basically what the Knicks did last year, which is just collect everybody at one position and then try to move them, create a demand, artificially created demand for a particular position, and then move them. But of course, the Knicks only ended up getting one of those guys traded last year. We saw how well that went. Detroit, uh, over the last 24 hours, had picked up Tony Bradley from the Jazz, had uh, picked up Dwayne Dedman from the Atlanta Hawks. They, <laughs> I mean, this is like. They signed Mason Plumley. It is remarkably unclear what the hell Detroit was actually trying to do with all of this stuff. A- and that's not even it. They added a fourth center in all this. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, when you break this thing down, I don't think Detroit's going to actually be trying to use all four of their centers. It sounds like, by all accounts, they're going to be waving Dwayne Dedman. I know they're trying to move him. If they can't, presumably, they'll get rid of him quickly. Uh, Tony Bradley has largely served as a backup role, and bringing in Mason Plumley on a three-year deal, the writing is now on the wall. So this is one where I think we need to pause at least for just a second and analyze what this actually means. First of all, Detroit wants to play Blake Griffin at power forward, which makes a lot of sense. His body would just not be able to stand up to banging with any larger centers in the NBA. Why they just kept bringing centers on, I, I don't fully understand. If they had the intention of giving one of them a three-year deal with a little bit of a money attached to it. But this is now their guy. Detroit, by paying Plumlee 25 mil over three years, first of all, it seemed like that at that point they expected they weren't going to be able to bring back Christian Wood, and we later found out that that was indeed the case. But also, that is the the universal symbol for you're our guy. The dude you give a bunch of money to is the guy you intend, at least before opening day, That's the guy you intend to play. He's going to have to fight for his minutes, which is, you know, a struggle because there are so many uh, centers there. Remember they brought in, who the fourth? Jaleel Okafor was the fourth one. So he's going to be competing with Jaleel Okafor. He's going to be competing with Tony Bradley. It sounds like, again, Dwayne Dedman is gone. But the guy that they invested more money in, in all of this was Plumlee. I don't know if we even have the exact monetary figure on the two-year deal with Jaleel Okafor. Listen, here's what it comes down to. Uh, You'll see Ja get in there as the guy who is expected to score a bit off the bench. He's probably not going to play a ton of minutes because he can't defend it all. You'll see Mason Plumlee play. Now I would venture to guess the lion's share of the minutes. So if you want to try to compare it to something, I would look back at what he did with Portland four years ago. He played 28 minutes a game before the trade to Denver and averaged 11, 8, and 4 with 2.1 defensive stats. Brutal field free throw shooter, I know, but he's going to shoot 56 to 60% from the field, although on a bad team, his looks are not going to be as good. The Pistons like to use their forwards to facilitate the offense. Griffin facilitates. They'll use Plumlee out of the high post to do some passing, I think he probably plays 26 to 28 minutes a game, and that actually does make him a fantasy value. Where does 11, 8, 4, and 2 defensive stats put you? Well, you I mean, if you really wanted to compare it to last year's numbers, you could try to find a center that had something in that neck of the woods. Thomas Bryant last year, you know, obviously his big numbers in the bubble helped him, but we're not going to worry about that. We're going to worry about everything all rolled together. Thomas Bryant averaged 13.7. 1.6 defensive stats but shot the free throw better you could look at maybe somebody like a ah, geez who else is on the montrez harrell scored too much so i can't use him stephen adams averaged 11 and 9 with 1.9 defensive stats but lower assists so they're pretty similar in their makeup in terms of how many rebounds how many points the defensive stats you expect to get But add a couple of assists to that. So take Steven Adams, who was around the edge of the top 100 last year. Take Thomas Bryant, who was in the 60s last year. And you probably split the difference a little bit. And you put Mason Plumlee somewhere in that 80 range. Probably between 80 and 90 if he's playing starters minutes. So someone to keep an eye on very late in fantasy drafts. I'm going to completely lose track of... Uh, what actually comes next, although news is breaking even as we're doing this podcast, and that's extraordinarily distracting. I think Marcus Morris just got signed while we were here on air, so we'll work our way around to it. Uh, Jaleel Okafor, I think, was actually the next guy to sign. I was too busy laughing at the fact that the Pistons had signed another center, and then they signed another center. This is when they got their fourth. And I'm not that worried about Ja taking minutes away from Plunlin because he's just, frankly, not very good. Patrick Patterson returned to the Clippers. That was the next deal off the board after that. Uh, Dwight Howard agreed to sign with the Lakers, didn't sign with the Lakers because something went wrong with his agent and the Lakers, and then ended up signing with the 76ers as a true backup. So you're not going to worry much about that. Darren Fox signed a five-year max extension with the Kings, Jordan Clarkson signed a 4-year deal with the Utah Jazz. Let's uh, that's that's when we we can at least pause for just a brief moment and discuss if that means anything at all. Uh Jordan Clarkson last year after being traded to Utah was actually pretty good. He wasn't great because he's always going to have that 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 fantasy game issue. He doesn't have a particularly robust stat set, meaning even when he was averaging 16, 17 points a game with the Jazz, it still only put him in that top 150 range. So you're not drafting Jordan Clarkson, provided the Jazz are healthy, because he's now just a bench gunner who's going to be expected to do nothing besides hit a few free throws a game, shoot a terrible field goal percent, and gun. Not going to rebound, not going to pass, not going to steal, not going to block shots, might hit a couple of three-pointers, but it's not enough. It's a classic inflated stat guy because he scores. Let someone else deal with that. As far as what he does for Utah, he's helpful. They needed bench scoring pop. Uh, He could blend in with a Joe Ingles unit as someone who likes to be a little bit more passive. And that actually does make a lot of sense. But from a fantasy standpoint, blech. Speaking of the Jazz, the next man off the board also went to Utah and that was Derek Favors who signed a three-year deal with the Jazz to presumably now almost exclusively back up the center position. Because the last time Derek Favors was in Utah, they did not have Boyan Bogdanovich. That dude is largely playing a scoring power forward role on that team. So you're not going to see as much of the twin tower stuff Favors next to Gobert. I mean, it'll it'll make an appearance, make no mistake. It'll rear its head from time to time. But it's not going to be like it was the last time he was around there. So Favors, to me, likely... And we'll do a little bit more digging because this is immediate reaction stuff. But likely, he's off the fantasy board as well. Quick respite here to tell you guys about MyBookie.ag. And don't tune me out on this one because I actually have something really important to bring up. MyBookie.ag is running a massive Thanksgiving week special. You can sign up now if you want to. I mean, I guess you could wait a couple of days. But here's what's going on Thanksgiving week, and this is why it's so critical that you guys get signed up in the next couple of days, certainly before Thursday of next week. They are running a monster multi-day promotion where on Thanksgiving morning, the Texans-Lions NFL game is a risk-free $250 bet, meaning you have to deposit $250, it has to be a bet you place, but if you lose, they refund it. And if you get that refund, you only have to bet it one more time, meaning it's a one x rollover on that. So you can't just lose the bet and then cash right back out. If you lose the bet, you keep your two hundred fifty bucks. You have to gamble two hundred and fifty dollars. Doesn't have to be a one time. You could make you know fifty different five dollar bets for all I care. And then you can cash it out. But it's risk-free if you're planning on betting for more than a couple of weeks, basically. And here's the beautiful part. Because the following day, Black Friday, my bookie is running odds boost promos all day long. They're doing it again, guys. I think it's Friday. It's either Friday or Saturday. Make sure I'll, I'll get that cleaned up by the time we do this promo next week. Last time they ran an odds boost all day on a Saturday, there were 12 odds boost wagers, and each one of them was either $10 or $25. So you're basically betting all 250 of that rollover if you lost the Thursday bet. If you win the Thursday bet, there's no rollover. You could bet your $250, win your bet, have 500 you can cash it out. That moment, you could keep it. But if you lose it and you need to roll it over... You can roll it over on the odds boost day, Friday or Saturday, which I'll be live tweeting that basically the whole way through because I'm going to be getting down on all of them. Last time we did that, we won $170 without ever sweating for a minute. For instance, one of the wagers on the odds boost is, will there be a touchdown scored in this college football game? It's a wager that's normally a minus 400 and it's a pick 'em on odds boost day. They've boosted the odds from having to lay four to win one to straight one to one. That's a gimme. How many college football games this year haven't seen a touchdown? Any? I don't know if it's any. Good gravy. So that is exciting. When you sign up, just make sure you use the promo code HoopBall. That's all we ask of you. Mybookie.ag Promo code Hoopball and get ready because we have free money coming next week. I will be getting down on all of it, and I will be alerting all of you on the podcast and on Twitter at Dan Bespris. It's how we will win free money together. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I love these free money weeks on my bookie. I just I tool around, man. I put $5 here, $10 there, make a few bucks, and then I just wait until these free ones, where it's like, all right, yeah, you know, I'll turn my couple hundred dollar bankroll and double it without doing anything uh josh jackson signed a deal with the pistons that's actually someone to keep an eye on in points league type of formats now we know that he's struggled quite a bit in uh nine category and and basically anything where percentages are a thing but the pistons are so thin at basically every place but besides center at this point that he might legitimately get some playing time you know, I, like I would be, it would be very easy, by the way, he's from Detroit, it would be very easy to just write him off because he's generally been horrible in his young NBA career, um, but if the Pistons, the Pistons are in full teardown at this point, uh, they have a draft pick who's likely their starting point guard, they have Derek Rose who's probably going to get moved, Blake Griffin who's going to be resting every other game. Uh, as they try to figure out a way to move his giant contract. And then guys like Josh Jackson are just going to have a whole bunch of run at some point this year. So don't write him off completely. I don't know that I would draft him because I don't know that it's going to be a thing where he just sort of gets the reins right out of the chute. But it would not be the craziest thing in the world to see him actually get a role and do something. I mean, you could grab him in the last round and say, look, maybe he maybe he does do something out of the chute. Then a big one dropped uh, just a couple minutes after. Well, not that Harry Giles and the Kings are parting ways and not about the Dwight Howard Sixers stuff. Danilo Gallinari signed a three-year deal with the Atlanta Hawks into their cap space for $61.5 million. Sounds like this deal is basically all but done at this point. Gallo's agent confirmed the intention of signing with the Hawks, and he slots in, I would assume, as they're starting small forward which is a lower, uh, a smaller position on the floor than I think he's used to, but damn, that is a great spot to rack up fantasy stats. And the Hawks' starting unit is looking pretty good right now. They could still try to bring in Bogdan Bogdanovich, make no mistake. So they got Trey Young, they've got the Young guys, Cam Reddish, who's going to be slotted in there somewhere, Gallo, John Collins, Clint Capella. Of course, with Gallo coming in, it's a lot of touches. That, you know, we thought might go to Collins or a different wing, perhaps even Reddish if we're going to talk about him getting more usage. But this is a sign that the Hawks actually are not that concerned with developing their young guys. I mean, I I know that they want to, obviously, but this is their way of saying we want to make a splash. It's time to to make a run at it this year. Not a championship necessarily, but certainly a playoff spot. We're going to bring in a proven score in Gallo, throw him in there. Capella is a veteran, but he's a veteran compared to some of these guys. Trey, John Collins, young guys, the core. It's going to be a fun team. But is Gallo going to get the same usage that he got in Oklahoma City is the question. It balances out a little bit. He's going to be on a team that's going to be playing a faster pace of offense. Took 13 shots a game last year and about five free throws. I mean, I could see him getting back to around that mark, and he was a top 65 fantasy player last year. Um, I think it's a relatively reasonable expectation for this coming season as well. Rodney Hood, who opted out of his deal with the Blazers, has now re-signed with the Blazers as, I would assume, a... I guess he could be a bench gunner. Does this mean that Carmelo Anthony's not coming back to Portland? It's tough to say. Uh, If Melo's back, Melo probably plays the four, and that moves Covington down to the three if Melo's gone, Hood's probably playing the three, and that probably pushes Covington up to the four. Either way, I have no fear about Rocco and his top 40 potential. Hood is going to have a tough time doing enough on the floor to have fantasy value because his game is limited. It's points, it's threes for the most part. So he's going to have to hit a really good percentage, and you just count, you can't count on that every day. Malik Beasley inked a four-year deal to stay with the Timberwolves after some off court stuff made this maybe a little bit iffy as opposed to it kind of seeming like a done deal at the end of last year that they were going to pay to keep him around. Well, they did. They, uh apparently they're they're okay with the off-court stuff, and they've linked him to a a, a very long deal, fifteen million dollars a year for four years. Uh he'll have a big role with that team. That starting lineup now is not completely set in stone, but it most likely will include Beasley, Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, and Karl-Anthony Towns as four of the five starters, with the other one kind of a little bit TBD. Could be Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, you know, the one thing I would caution folks about is that Malik Beasley was very, very good at the end of last year, but also nobody else was there. He was taking 16 shots a game, scoring 20 points with five rebounds, but Cat wasn't there, D'Lo was kind of there. Rubio wasn't there. It was a different makeup. I don't think he's taken 16 shots a game this coming year. So something's going to have to pivot. You're going to need to see more defensive stats, better free throw percent. Something is going to have to improve for him. And so I'm not as high on Beasley as others, given the fact that his teammates now are healthy enough to play. We'll keep an eye on it. It'll be a guy we check out the ADP. If he's going in like that 125 range, yeah, you you obviously take a flyer, but I think people are going to start taking him in the 90s, and I'm not sure that he can beat that number. Then we heard that the Rockets were closing in on a deal with Christian Wood. Then we heard the Rockets were not, it wasn't set in stone, and then we heard that it was done. So the first report was that the Rockets were giving him 27 mil over three years. That ended up getting bumped up to $41 million over three years. So a very large increase from 27 to $41 million. And this is everything a Christian Wood fan could dream of. This is fantastic. A Rockets team that has no front court to speak of. We don't know if they're going to have Westbrook or Harden, neither or both. But if they have anyone that can get a ball to a big man, Christian Wood is going to be seeing pretty much all the minutes he can handle out there. This is a contract you give to someone that you intend on playing. Christian Wood has been getting drafted in the 50s in mock drafts that I've seen so far, and that is probably not changing now. He's been getting drafted in that range with the expectation he's been going to a place that's going to utilize him for his fantasy ability, You're going to have to pay for Christian Wood. It's going to be very hard for him to beat his ADP this year because of how buzzy he is, but he's going to have a strong season. This is a great landing spot for him. So, yeah, got to be a little bit excited about that. Trey Burke agreed to a three-year deal with the Mavs, and nobody cared. The Lakers apparently then shifted their focus to Marc Gasol, who I was under the impression was playing overseas, before, whammo, Coming back with the big news right after the Marcus Gasol rumor, the Lakers signing Montrez Harrell to a two-year, $19 million deal to basically not do what he did with the Clippers last season. Montrez got more activity last year than probably he needed, averaging 19-7 in 28 minutes a game. He'll play a fair amount during the regular season, especially given the fact that, you know, I think he has some demons to sort of get rid of. A tough bubble run after losing, I believe it was his grandma. He got picked on relentlessly by Clippers Nation because he was really bad in the bubble. And defensively, he's had issues throughout his career. He's a severely undersized center Although there was a little bit of a pivot mid-year. Clippers, guys, I'm not going to let you get away with it. In uh, October, November, and December last year, we had to hear a lot about how Montrez was going to be totally fine, you know, just being extra aggressive with some of the bigger centers in the NBA. And that tune shifted when we all saw what was actually going on there. uh, And it became Ivica Zubat's time. But, you know, I I spent a lot of time looking at this thing, and it it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. It feels like maybe the Lakers overreacted a tiny bit to losing Dwight Howard in free agency and then to use their mid-level on Montrezl Harrell, a guy who can't, he can't space the floor, which we saw was something that was so critical for the Lakers. But here's my guess. My guess is that the Lakers aren't done yet. They've used their mid-level, I believe they've used their, now their biannual. They're confident that the LeBron-AD pairing will bring in some veteran minimum contracts. Maybe they can bring back Markeith Morris on a minimum deal, something like that. A floor-spacing power forward or center for when they play teams that match up like the Rockets did in the postseason last year. They didn't need those guys as much, for instance, when they played Denver or even Miami, because different things were needed for those matchups. But they needed the floor-spacing big man when other teams were going extremely small. I do wonder in watching a guy like Montrezl Harrell if if the expectation for him in L.A. is not that he actually has to guard the rim. Because when he was on the floor for the Clippers, he was their center. He was their rim protection, and that's a bad way to go. If he's on the floor alongside Anthony Davis, A.D. is the rim protector. A.D. is effectively the center on defense and the power forward on offense. They sort of flip roles depending on which end of the floor they're at. So this is useful for the Lakers in that they get an energy guy who's tough, struggles to protect the rim on defense, but is going to give them things on offense that they actually just didn't have this last year. So that's kind of new, a new toy to play with, so to speak. But I also think, you know, when they think about the fact that they got Dennis Schroeder, someone that perhaps they could put into pick and rolls off the bench with Montrezl Harrell, they got Wesley Matthews to replace... Danny uh Danny Green. The one thing they haven't really addressed is having someone else that can protect the rim besides Anthony Davis. Don't don't tell me that JaVale McGee is that guy. But, you know, I mean you can get away with just A D since dude's gonna play forty minutes a game in the postseason anyway. Um and to me they you know, I'm looking at their roster, it doesn't seem like they've replaced the the Markeith Morris guy, who they only got partway through last year. Remember, they were winning a lot of games without him. In the regular season the postseason, are such such different birds that you need to play matchups versus, you know, regular season Lakers are still going to be very, very good. And Montrezl Harrell will be very good because in the regular season, you're not laser-focused on each individual team in terms of how you set your defense. It does create some chemistry stuff. They're going to have to figure out how to fit some of these new pieces in. Um... You know, Schroeder's role seemed pretty evident. It was like, you, you're new Rajon Rondo, but better on offense um, and defense. And then with Wes Matthews, it's like, look, you're just Danny Green now. Uh, they don't really have a replacement for KCP yet. Does Avery Bradley come back is another question mark. So things are still a little bit of an influx for the Lakers. And to me, and looking at Montrezl Harrell from a fantasy standpoint, I, I don't think that he'll have any value this year. Well, That's not fair. He'll have some, but, you know, he barely squeezed inside the top 100 last year largely because of the fact that he did so much with the scoring, uh, some decent defensive stats, good free field goal percent, bad free throw numbers. Um, when you have those holes in your fantasy game, it does drag you down a little bit, and he just won't have as much usage with the Lakers as he did with the Clippers last year. He just won't. But it's not going to be that far of a drop, not that steep. Still, I ain't drafting him. Davis Bertans signed a five year deal to return to the Washington Wizards, which of course, you know, he had a he had a wonderful season this last year, sat out the bubble, uh, ended up hovering near the edge of the top forty for long stretches, finished around sixty with fifteen and a half points, four and a half rebounds, and almost four three pointers a game. Arrow down. Arrow down. Uh, rumor coming out very recently that John Wall wants out of Washington, but good luck moving that contract on a guy that hasn't played in a, in a year and a half. Good luck to that. I don't know how you do that. How do you like? How do you bring zero worth to your job for a year and a half and then demand a trade? John Wall, man. I don't know, dude. You're gonna have to give us the CP3 performance. Show us how good you are, and then maybe they can move you. In any event, Wall's going to have to play. Beal's going to take a ton of shots. There's just no way that Davis gets as, as many opportunities this coming year as he had this last one, so his arrow is also, unfortunately, pointed down. Curious where he gets, where he gets drafted in fantasy leagues. Joe Harris signed a 4 year deal to return to the Nets. He's, Nets, he's going to make a ton of money, but he's not going to get that many shots next to KD and Kyrie. So nope, we'll go ahead and dodge that. Derek Jones Jr. signed a two-year deal with the Blazers to come off the bench. The Pistons waived Dwayne Dedman, so that's a done deal. The Knicks signed Alec Burks to a one-year $6 million deal. He might actually play there, as weird as that team looks. Garrett Temple signed a one-year deal to play with the Chicago Bulls. And you guys know I'm I'm circling around one of the ones that I want to talk about here. And it's not Marcus Morris coming back to the Clippers on a four-year deal because we all saw he was not fantasy useful after his trade to the Clippers. The one I want to talk about is Jeremy Grant, who signed a three-year, $60 million deal with the Detroit Pistons, who just dumped money into every center on the market. And then this one I really like. All the other stuff doesn't make a lick of sense to me, but looking at the Pistons' roster now, It seems like Jeremy Grant is probably their starting small forward. I might be out of my mind. Maybe they're planning on starting Blake Griffin at center, but that seems like a really bad idea. So they brought in four centers. Mason Plumlee, the head of that snake. Blake Griffin is their starting power forward. Uh, Killian, I, I lost track of it. Is Killian Hayes? Alien Murphy is the actor, right? He played Scarecrow. Uh, so they drafted a point guard. Derrick Rose is probably their shooting guard right now since they got rid of Luke Kennard. Um, just looking at some of the other names on this team, yeah, I mean, it seems like... I mean, Plus, if you're going to give a guy $20 million a year for three years, you're going to play the crap out of him. We also got a report a little bit after the fact that Denver actually matched that offer... And Grant chose the Pistons because he wanted to have a larger role in the offense. I am I have mixed feelings on this because I, this is one of those times where I don't really know how to read the public reaction to this. Because going to Detroit is like vanishing into a fantasy wasteland. No one ever talks about what's going on with the Detroit Pistons. I got Derrick Rose at 150 in every draft last year, and he was basically like a top 70 guy the entire season before he went into the on-off shutdown stuff. And then he ended up near, what, top 100, top 90, something like that. No one's paying any attention to what's going on in Detroit. The only guy anybody was watching last year was Christian Wood. as Everybody was like, I'm going to stash him the whole damn year. Which, by the way, it was a long stash. Head-to-head leagues it paid off pretty nicely. Roto leagues didn't. Because the season ended on March 11th, and so nobody had a you know official ending to their year. Um, I, I'm a I mean you guys have heard me talk on this podcast at, at some length about what a big Jeremy Grant fan I am. He made a big name for himself in the playoffs with the Nuggets, big time bubble scoring, particularly against the Lakers. Looked really good against L.A. this year with the Nuggets as a starter when Paul Millsap went down. Jeremy Grant was fantastic. That's what he's looking to do in Detroit. He's looking to cement himself. He believes that he's a... I mean, I believe he's a very good NBA player. He believes he's, uh, maybe I would argue, a little better of an NBA player than I I would argue he is. But if you look at some of the games, and don't look at the very beginning of the year because he was largely playing behind Millsap, but Paul got hurt in, I believe it was right around Christmas, and then Jeremy Grant just started playing... You know, th- basically 30 minutes a game. And there were stretches in there where he blocked three, two, two, seven, three blocks, one, two, two, one steal a game. He was hitting two threes a game over those stretches. He was outstanding. He was outstanding. Double digit scoring almost every one of those games. He's not a great rebounder. And as a small forward, that ain't getting any better on Detroit. But he's a guy that I remain optimistic about. And presumably he was promised a decent size offensive role on the Pistons. That that looks like it was the selling point for him. So my hope is that by going to fantasy purgatory in Detroit, people just forget about him. The way they did whether the way they have before. The way that things have happened in Detroit before. But I don't know. There's a very real possibility we go into drafts and Jeremy Grant gets picked at like 65 or 70. And that's a shame because, to me, that that's kind of where he caps himself out. I don't know that he has the... You basically need some rebounds or assists to clear that mark. You're not going to clear that mark with just... Because he's not going to score a ton. He'll score more, presumably, than he did in Denver last year. But he's not going to rebound very much. He's like a severely limited version of Jaron Jackson Jr., who... Yeah, we all love him for the upside. But at the end of the day, he was only number 63 last year because he didn't rebound. He doesn't assist. And his percentages weren't that great. Which when you look at a Jeremy Grant, you're hoping maybe the field goal percent could be a little bit of a booster. He's not going to hit as many threes as JJJ. What gets him over that hump into the top 50? I don't think there's a thing that does it. So let's hope that he becomes a forgotten man and we'll watch ADPs. And if that's the case, then we'll pounce. Whew. Busy day. Busy day. As I said on Twitter, I am undoubtedly going to miss something on this podcast. Oh, Robin Lopez signed a deal to be one of the wizards, wizards backup center, I guess behind Thomas Bryant. Getting my depth cheats, right? um, Solomon's depth sheets by the, uh, depth sheets in the hoop ball draft guide are the best of the best of the best. Another reason to get the draft guide, which is in the fantasy pass for four ninety nine. We still don't know where Freddie Van Fleet's going. We still don't know where Serge Ibaka is going. Those are going to be a couple of relatively large dominoes likely to fall over the weekend, and we'll tweet about them. But we won't be able to talk about them on a podcast until Monday because that's where we're sitting right now, at the end of the first five and change hours of free agency. We still don't know where Gordon Hayward's going to go either, or Bogdan Bogdanovich. The biggest names are largely still on the board. Oh, by the way, Ennis Cantor got traded to the Blazers, but nobody cared. He's backing up Yusuf Nurkic. Nurk is back, so doesn't matter. I'm trying to think of uh, whether there was one or two big things that happened yesterday. We, oh, Kelly Oubre is a warrior. We didn't talk about that. That happened yesterday in the afternoon. That was one of the things I wanted to talk about on today's podcast and then thought, screw it i don't need to talk about anything that happened on thursday um that's a big knock that's a knock uber is not going to have as much usage in golden state as he was going to have in oklahoma city his usage could be eh, probably not as high as it was in phoenix either because a lot of what he did was with deandre ayton out that said clay thompson's out for the year Andrew Wiggins is going to be soaking up a lot of that. Draymond doesn't want to take many shots. And, you know, their center right now is probably Marquise Chris. So Ubre will have something. I just don't, I don't know about 15 shots a game. That feels a little bit on the high side. Um, he was number 50 last year in Phoenix before getting hurt. I would probably take him down a little bit. But I do think he's a pretty safe top 75. Probably top 80 floor something like that. So uh, you're still in relatively decent shape. It's just not quite as excited about it as, uh, as I was when he was in Oklahoma city. And that's where we'll go ahead and put a pin in things for the weekend. That's where we're putting a pin in it. Do me that favor, sign up for the fantasy pass for four 99 and a couple of promos to tell you guys about Uh promo. Number one is of course, hoopball leagues remain open. We will just keep opening them until people stop joining Every day, Uh, There are like 12, 10 to 20 of you guys that ask to join a hoop ball league. Andre, our buddy Andre, doing a wonderful job of getting people placed in those hoop ball leagues. And again, we'll just keep opening new ones until you guys stop showing up. I don't know what I said on yesterday's podcast. I think I said there were like 10 or 12 open at that point. Um, Now I think there's 16. So it just keeps coming. Keep coming, guys. We'll keep opening the leagues if you want in. The way you can get into a HoopBall league, we have Roto, head-to-head, cash and free. Email me, or email HoopBall, email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com or tweet at me, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Other promo, we are recruiting. A couple of you have actually written in about that as well. HoopBall, looking for the best and brightest. We are looking for people to write on the fantasy side, these are all contributor positions, by the way, so I want to make sure that I put that out there up front. We need people to write on the fantasy side, learn how to blurb and grow from there. We're looking for podcasters. If you want to cover a team, let me know. If you're good at sales or marketing, all these things, this is our time of year to grow. Uh, so hit me up. Hit me up. Sales, by the way, is the spot where you can earn some coin if you want to come work for us here at HoopBall. All the other stuff, uh, contributor positions at basically every single corner. Uh, DFS. by the way, if you're good at DFS in other sports, too, that would be something we'd be looking for. We need people for our gambling division. If you think you got what it takes and you can handle the grind, hit me up at Dan Vesperus or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Please drop a five-star review on the podcast. I beg of you all. And once again, get the Fantasy Pass for $4.99. Free agency is upon us. Continues throughout the weekend. We'll break down the rest of the news Monday morning. I am Dan Bespris. Enjoy the craziness we're closing in on basketball folks nothing else happening i was gonna wish you guys a happy holidays or something that's not for a couple of days now (laughs) losing my mind that's what happens when i do a podcast at night once again great weekend be back monday i'm dan goodbye